Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Welcome to Restaurant Marketing School. I'm Josh Kopel, a Michelin-rated restaurateur. Together with the team from Restaurantopia, we're unpacking the tools and tactics used by million-dollar marketing agencies to help you grow your restaurant. Join us daily to get a marketing tip you can use in your restaurant today. Today, we're talking about how price is a story you tell your customers. So how do I price my menu effectively long-term? I think that's really the question we want to answer because as we've talked about this season, your menu is your number one marketing piece and it's a sales tool for your staff. So how do you update that to reflect trends, fresh ideas? Is it costed properly? Is it priced properly? Do you have the right profit? As Paul Saginaw from Zingerman's up in Ann Arbor says, it's irresponsible to not make a profit. And sometimes as restaurateurs, we don't think of it that way. We think like, wow, I can't raise my pricing because you know, I'm going to lose customers or they're not going to pay for it or they're not going to do this. Like, no, you, you need to make a profit so that you can pay employees and you can invest back into the business and you can do things for your customers and give away freebies and do all that stuff. You got to make a profit. If you want to do good, you got to make a profit. You have to be able to generate bottom line revenue that you're able to do with what you want. But if you want to change the world, you got to have money. If you want to help out a homeless person, you got to have money. I mean, thoughts and intentions are great, but you're going to need that profit to help other people. And I know you can give people your time, but money's also good. It's pretty revealing that we even have to have this conversation because we're dealing with business owners, right? No, but we're so we're so hesitant and we're so trapped in our own little world that we don't know how to price things and we're very myopic and we can't see outside the world like, yeah, Panera charges this, but they're a national chain and I can't get away with that. My customers will never do that. And then you start telling yourself the lie and then you start believing the lie and then you're stuck. I'm pretty sure the customers would rather support you than a big faceless corporation, so long as your product's good. But let's talk about the root cause here. The root cause is fear. And I'm not saying that because I pulled a thousand restaurateurs and that's what they said. That was my motivation. I was afraid to raise prices because I was afraid to have that conversation. Meanwhile, you go to the gas station every week and the prices fluctuate because they're variable costs. They're charging variable prices. Whereas we deal with variable costs every day, but the prices are static and they're static because- For years, for decades. And it's because we don't want to sit across from the customer and say, this is going to cost more. As a matter of fact, this is going to cost way more. And here's why. Because we're afraid they're not going to be our customer anymore, or that they're not going to understand, or that they're not going to see the value in what we're doing. Or they're not going to be happy. And that's counterintuitive to our whole being as hospitality professionals. Absolutely. And being at someone's service means offering the most value we possibly can. And as an industry, we've trained customers to see value through price, right? That the most food for the cheapest price is the most value you could possibly get. But we find ourselves at this pivotal moment as an industry where we have the opportunity to change that and say, this is how you should see value within our concept. And I think that when we talk about price, what we also need to talk about is choosing our customer, not necessarily letting our customer choose us. Who are you trying to serve? 
And what does that experience look like for that specific person? I think pizza articulates this so well. If you want to be the $4.99 national chain place and serve cardboard pizza, there is a market for that and you can attack that. But man, if you have great artisan pizza, you be you. Be that and charge the appropriate amount. The profit is not a dirty word. You should make money. You should absolutely make money in this business. It's the most important thing because it's the thing that keeps the business going. It helps your community. It helps your family and it helps your employees' families. We have a very popular, great regional chain pizza in this area that they have it on a billboard. that says you could buy a cheaper pizza, but then you'd have to eat it. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I can tell you too, real quick, I want to interject, is, is that not only is it fear, but Josh, from an XSO standpoint, so I was a chef for a long time. I always had an owner that I reported to, and I always wanted to look good in front of that owner. So of course, I wanted to look good in front of the customers, but the owner was signing my paycheck, so that's obviously important. And so what I would do is my menu pricing would always be based on my costing. And it would have nothing to do with the market elasticity. And I went so wrong in doing that because what I do is I would cost out, say, calamari, I guess it's an example today, is I would cost it out to that 30%, but I give myself zero wiggle room for error whatsoever. So 30% with no waste, with perfect execution, everything else, right? So no tolerance whatsoever. But had I just looked down the street and realized that my competition was charging three or four more dollars for their calamari than I was, I would have been so much better off. But I wanted to turn in that costing sheet that said 30%, 29%, 31%, 29% and said, hey, we're there. But I shortchanged myself so much in doing so, I allowed no margin for error. And then what happens is my true cost of goods comes back incredibly high because we make a lot of errors. No, and you bring me into my first bullet point, food cost your menu. As a distributor sales rep for 10 years, you would be amazed how many restaurateurs don't have their food cost. Most don't. And you know how I know? Because they would come to me and say, hey, Dave, my food cost is high. Like, I think you're screwing me. Like, you're charging me too much. And I go, well, what's it running? And they're like, well, it's running 40%. I'm like, well, what's your menu supposed to run? And it was like, Big blank deer in the headlight stare, like, uh, like, well, maybe it's priced at 40%. <laughs> maybe it's not my problem, you know? So have your menu food costed out. Again, you don't take food cost percentages of the bank. So have it costed out. Look at your gross profit per dish. Do it by category in your menu and have those things done so you can start figuring out what is that story you're going to tell on the price. Menu price benchmarking, I think, is huge. What other restaurants do you want to emulate? What other restaurants do your customers frequent? Look at those things and look at it by category. Look at it by item and, and make sure that you, know, you don't have to be the same. You don't have to be above or under, but wherever they're at, if they're making moves, especially your corporate competitors, they're always going to make moves up. Pattern that price. You know what I mean? If you're 5% value to the national competition, you don't have to go up to them. Just stay 5%. As they go up, just stay with them. No, no. Stay with them. If they got a thousand units, they're probably buying chicken a few cents lower than you. Like, don't try to go blow for blow with them. You know, raise your prices. But if you want a little courage, go out and eat that like item at their establishment and you feel real good about yourself real quick most times. Well, let's talk about the other side of the coin. So it's really easy to talk about raising prices, but it's also important to mention that you can't raise prices without increasing perceived value. It is a critical element. Now, there are a variety of ways to do this, and I'd love to run through some of these with you guys. Step one is source local. Pitch that you're sourcing local, right? Use sustainable business practices to go as green as possible if that's where your motivations lie. At Pro and Proper, we paid a living wage. We offered subsidized health care. We were working on establishing retirement programs. We were going carbon neutral the month after the pandemic hit. And we were probably one of the most expensive restaurants in the city. And people would come in and they'd say, you're really expensive. And I would say, well, you know, we're doing all of these things. And they would say, well, I don't care about those things. And I would say, well, then you're not our target demographic. 
I'm just trying to find people like me. They believe in what I believe. And so I place those beliefs on the menu because it's not just about saying we pay a living wage. We called out every back of house employee on the menu. On the menu, everybody's first and last name was listed from the executive chef to the dishwasher. These people work to produce your meal. It was done by design, right? This is a human enterprise. And so we're trying to put that face on it. We called out local vendors on the menu. We thought that that was an incredibly important thing to do. Yes, we can get cheaper food. We're choosing not to because we're choosing to nourish you as opposed to just satisfying a craving. Oh, that's amazing. And I think the other strategic play there that, that's probably a couple of rung, probably several rungs underneath that. But when you're raising prices, the perceived value you go back to, the national chains do this beautifully. If you've got the data to see what they're taking and removing off the menus, you'll see that they removed the basic chicken sandwich for $8 and added an avocado bacon chicken sandwich, and now it's nine fifty. So they engineered it to where their costs are probably similar, but they raised the price. But now it looks like a new menu item. It looks like, you know, so be strategic in that too. And not only the sustainability and all that stuff, but just the basic block and tackle of building the menu properly and changing yeah, it over I, I time. I think it's natural to raise prices incrementally to match inflation, right? Because it's, it's seemingly always going up. But I, I think when you're talking about drastic changes and stuff, I couldn't agree with you guys more on that. I think that's absolutely imperative to the process. And I hesitate to call it a bait and switch, but it's kind of like a diversion, right? Like it's, it's a little bit of that. And now is the time. In the post-pandemic world, everyone is taking pricing courage. It is stronger than I've ever seen, whether it's $2.50 for guacamole at a national chain. Unapologetically. Unapologetically. Like, don't get the guac then. Again, you still want to have an entry point on the menu for your customers, but you want to give them the other options and be able to charge them appropriately for that. Yeah, you don't know how strong you can be until you have to be, right? The last thing I'll say is this. I wouldn't recommend pricing your menu based on the business you're currently running. Base it off the business you want to run. Get involved, get imaginative and say, you know, I would love to offer subsidized health care. I would love to offer a living wage. I think retirement programs are critical. And if we're trying to solve this labor crisis by luring people back to the industry or luring people into the industry, we're going to need a competitive offering. Yeah. And tell that story, not only for the employees, but the customer should be interested in that type of establishment that's doing that. This is something that is definitely doable. If you explain, tell your story. Anthony just did our 2021 annual restaurant labor study. Amazing data. It's on our website at restaurantopia.com, but it goes directly to what you're saying. You got to have flexibility. You got to offer more, a living wage, the healthcare. I see that coming as the future. And I've worked with a few companies on to try to onboard that as a mechanism to attract and keep, retain top talent. Because at the end of the day, people want to be in this industry. They just sometimes can't because of other pressures in their life. Now, if you make it attractive, people will work hard. They'll stay with you for multiple years. You won't have high turnover. And that all comes down to, I think, providing healthcare, I think, is huge. And I think that is around the corner. And providing a living wage, I think that is definitely here now, at least in Ohio, we're seeing really wage increases going from $8 to 15 easy. And the last thing is make the moves. Earn that money. Go out and make sure that you don't take the customers for granted because they're spending their most precious two assets with you, their time and their money. So go out, give them value, show them hospitality, and do your thing, but be profitable, make the money. If you want to hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash marketing school. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Josh Kopel, and you've been listening to Restaurant Marketing School.